Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to try that and see if it worked. This is the E-Cast. I'm pretty sure you know who I am by now. My name is CJ, and I am the pilot of this ship. The X-Wing fighter, if you will. This is It's Wednesday, February 6th, and this is our National Signing Day edition of the E-Cast. College football recruits across all sports are signing their letters of intent today across the country. So it's given me the inspiration to take a look inside the world of college football, praise the national champion Clemson Tigers, and figure out what in the world makes these programs and coaches of these programs so successful. I am CJ, the Han Solo of the journey, and today I have a special guest. Introduce yourself, sir. Uh, my name is Colin Zecchi, and I am his older brother. He was born on Christmas Day, people. Enjoy. Well, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me, and I'm glad to uh, to uh, be a part of this special uh, special edition of the of your show. Yo, bring it on, bring it on. So naturally, when I look into things like this, I start with the state of the SEC, and according to many of these recruiting services, specifically 24/7 and ESPN. The consensus top classes are Alabama and Georgia, which is no surprise. Yeah, that's right. Um, right now, both 24-7 and, um, and ESPN have Alabama as the top recruiting class in the country. Um, only Rivals has Georgia as the top class in the country. But, of course, it's a long day, um, and that will, that will more than likely change by the end of the day. I don't think it will change. Given what just happened within the last ten minutes, you had the pre- you had the top defensive tackle in the country, Ishmael Sopser out of of Louisiana, pulled the trigger on a commitment and signed with Alabama. So the rich get richer. Yes, and uh, in, in my in my opinion, I think that's what really. And forgive me if it's if it don't if it, don't you go there, sir. You well, I mean, you well, get, I think about it, but a lot of people can argue that it's, it's, it that sort of thing takes some of the fun out of college football. You know, when you, when and it just ruins the parody uh, across the nation, when one team or just one or two teams is, are just dominating everything. You think people were are upset that Clemson beat the brakes off Alabama in the national championship game? I don't think so. See what this has done is it's now they're, they're now level programs, Clemson and Alabama, but again, you're not gonna. You're not gonna out recruit Alabama. It's just not gonna happen while Nick Saban is there, which makes it more and, and it makes it all the more impressive when you consider that he's had a lot of turnover on his staff. Right. The majority of his staff is leaving, yet Alabama just keeps on rolling, and it's a testament to Nick Saban. Right. Right. Well, the uh, what, what I see here on twenty four seven, I think that's one of the most um, uh, one of the most reliable recruiting services. Um, after Alabama and Georgia, we have Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, LSU, Oregon, Michigan, Florida, and Clemson in the top ten. Clemson will make a move. I'm we're, I'm sure of that. And well, uh, I just refreshed the page and it, and it changed a little bit. Um, LSU is now at number six. Oregon is now at seven. Michigan at eight. Florida nine, and Clemson ten. Clemson will make a move. They're they're one of the true they're one of the elite programs in college football, so they will make their move as the day progresses. 
but I want to get into a topic later in the show where we we break down what makes a good college football coach or makes a good football coach in general. It is widely believed that both you have Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney are the two best coaches. We're going to break down what makes them so good. And I've broken it down to four different categories. So get ready for that kind of that fun. Well, um, right now I do have to, uh, I do have to go toward, uh, and right now I'm, um, we're, we're refreshing in between uh, both 24-7 and Rivals. Uh, we did have the, uh, the live feed from ESPN, um, it's National Signing Day special on, um, but uh, we, uh, we, we are not able to continue with that at, at this time. Curse you, Xfinity! Why must you be so evil? Uh, but still, anyway, um, right now I'm looking at 24/7's um, crystal ball predictions feed, and uh, one uh, major ta- um, target for uh, the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, who are sitting at 14th in the ESPN recruiting rankings and 16th on 24/7. Um, I'm seeing that Henry uh, Toto, I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Forgive me if I butchered it. Henry uh, Toto. Toto. Okay, thank you. Uh, Henry Toto um, is an outside linebacker from California, and one, he has gotten one crystal ball prediction to Tennessee. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to, going to be signing with the Vols, obviously. But what that means is, um, in, in, a, in a in a way, things are sort of trending well if uh, in your in your favor if you're a Vols fan. But uh, uh, time will tell, and uh, we'll probably just have to you know, keep waiting until he finally makes his final decision. Uh, we did see uh, Ishmael Sopser uh, from Louisiana, as you mentioned. Um, he's uh, announced that he is signing with Alabama, uh, and that's just another um, another Louisiana kid. Uh, it, and it's really tough to recruit in Louisiana because LSU is the is the top dog. They're all. They're always the top dog there, um, but when you go in there and you get a kid out of uh, out of Louisiana uh, to go to, uh, to go to Alabama, the the the, the last top uh, top flight recruit that I can remember out coming out of out, uh, of Louisiana who went to Alabama was of course Landon Collins, uh, and we all, now, we all remember how how that recruitment went. That was but fu- any, that was funny. Yeah, but that any, was funny. Right, right. But anytime you can do that. Uh, I, th- I think it's um, it- it's quite an accomplishment. It's like going into Texas uh, if you're from out of state, going into Texas and pulling out and pulling recruits out of there, or uh, maybe going into Mississippi where you have to recruit against uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State and even Southern Miss. Also, I'll throw them in there too. Um, when you have to go in there and rec- recruit against them, it's it's always very difficult. It is going to be fun to see where it all shakes out. Who's going to dominate the? who's going to close well so i'm i'm fascinated i'm fascinated to see what happens from here yeah um one uh, uh one linebacker i think we we all need to watch is uh Lakia henry uh this is a guy uh, he's a, i think I believe he was a junior college guy uh a four star on uh, on uh, uh 24 7 uh, he uh, was previously committed to Tennessee, but he, he, will, he will more than likely end up in the, in the SEC. But it, I think it's between Tennessee and Ole Miss. Um, 
so we'll have to you know have to watch that also uh but again a lot a, lo- a lot of um a lot of big names uh still on the uh, on the board um it's you know going to be a long day of course it's going to be a prob- uh, probably going to be a long you know, next few uh, next few weeks um just for some of the uh, un- for, for some of the uncommitted prospects who ha- who have yet to uh announce their decisions and, and sign somewhere. So we'll, we'll just have to you know, keep waiting on that. Um, and, and again, I'm, uh, I'm refreshing off of the, uh, both, uh, rivals and 24 sevens websites. Uh, we don't have like a, a live feed where we can track everyone's, uh, uh, com- uh, commitment that keeps changing over and over and over. We don't have that. Uh, but we're just, we're going to try to monitor it as much as we can. On that note, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come right back, break down, the elite programs in college football figure out what makes them so great what makes them so successful then we're going to get into a little coaching we're going to talk about what makes a great coach and we're going to have our resident foot our resident expert who actually played for some interesting coaches and we'll hear his opinion on what makes a good college coach the ecast will come back after this message do not touch that dial if you do the demogorgon will get you the ECAST is back. It's CJ. It's my brother Collins. And Casey's come back to the fold. Good morning, Vietnam. I should have done the voice. <laughs> what voice? Good morning, Vietnam. I should have. No, I'm not kidding. I really thought of doing that today. I, sh- I thought of it going to the gym. I was like, you know what? I should do that. That is funny. We're basically the same person, <clears throat> and our older brother's looking at us like he, you know, like we're, we have horns going out of our heads because we do. Anyway, <clears throat> we're gonna shake things up a little bit, and I'm gonna talk about something that I've meant I, that I started thinking about this weekend. What makes a great college football coach? We we see we see a lot of universal praise for guys like Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, all these guys who have won national championships. And it, and it got me to thinking, who, what makes them so good? So I took some time to break it down, and I came up with four components that makes a great college football coach. The first, and it's not, a, and it's not in any particular order, so just bear with me. The first thing that came to my mind was coaching and player development. I put game, I put game management in along with coaching because that's, that's a part of the, of the process as well. But player development is something that, if you're a Tennessee fan, you felt was sorely lacking under the previous coaching staff. I think it is very important because you can get the guys into the program, but you have to help them be better, help them get better. They have to get better every day and every aspect of their, of their overall game. So I think player development is very important. Number two, recruiting. It has been said by many, that recruiting is the lifeblood of a college football program. <clears throat> to be able to develop the guys, you also have to get the guys in. You have to get the guys to buy into what you are selling. Third, you have to be able to promote the program. And that, I think, is an underrated aspect of, of being a college football coach, promoting it, like getting out in front of people, in front of the, in front of the media, becoming a more consistent presence. When James Franklin was at Vanderbilt, he did a masterful job of promoting everything Vanderbilt. 
and I think it paid dividends because it got more eyes to the program. And they ended up winning back to back nine. They had back to back nine win seasons. And the fourth component that I think is overlooked by a lot of people is communication. You need to have a message from the top all the way down. Every aspect of your program needs to be aligned. You have to be able to communicate that message effectively so that everyone can understand that you are going in the same direction. To me, and you guys can chime in if you can't if you, if you feel led to. To me, there are three coaches that embody all four of these and do them very well. Three coaches in college football. And I'm going to go in order from, in my opinion, three to one. One being the absolute best. Jimbo Fisher. A national championship winning coach, a relentless recruiter. And we're seeing that as A&M has cracked, cracked the top ten in there in the rankings. Um, he's also a master communicator, even though he talks very, very fast. Yeah, uh, 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 you mentioned Texas A&M. They're at number six, according to Rivals, and they are at number four, according to 24-7. Jimbo Fisher is recruiting. Number two, Dabo Sweeney. And you can make the argument that he's past Saban, but we're, we're not going to do that right now. There's not a more likable. He's demanding, but loving at the same time. There's not a more likable coach in all of sports. Regard, college football, in an NBA, and all that. There's not a more likable guy than Dabo Sweeney. And his players get better. He's able to bring in the top-tier talent. He's able to sell Clemson. Of course, it helps when you win national championships. And his communication skills are off the charts. And I think he is relatable because of his background, his upbringing, his faith, when he, that he's able to share with, with everybody. Dabo Sweeney is as good as it gets. But number one, and it'll probably be number one until he decides to retire, and that's Nick Saban. He is the best communicator in college football because everyone in his football program, from him to his assistants to the players to the support staff, support staff to everybody in the building, it doesn't matter what you do, everyone is aligned. And it's made more impressive that he's that Alabama's coaching staff has been turning over for several years now, and he hasn't missed a beat. Nick Saban's as good as it gets. Regardless if you like him or not, he's as good as there's ever been. Well. Well, um, all those um, those traits are true. I want to see those things in a coach. I do. 
coming from me. But um, there's some qualities about <clears throat> coaches. And you know what? Not just college coaches. This is coaching with a capital C. Um, whether they know it or not, and this is a major detriment to all coaches, coaches tend to get very political. Now, I know that a, a coach wants to win. He wants to put his best guys out there. That's the, that's the ultimate goal. And that's the goal. That's fine. But too many coaches... Too many coaches put that first. So I think a good coach ultimately is is going to put the players first. A coach needs to be selfless. And a lot of coaches aren't. In fact, the vast majority of coaches aren't. A coach will find his guys and Put the premise of winning behind, like he will put winning first, then his select two guys, and then everybody else is in the distant rear view. Whether a coach wants to admit it or not, that's what happens. The mark of a good coach is that everybody has a role to play and should not be undervalued. I know from experience that politics and coaching is a real thing and it's a problem specifically in high school sports specifically when you get to that level <clears throat> now that that may be true it happens a lot in high school but i won't disqualify it happening in all areas of of coaching but to me, what makes a good coach is a coach that is selfless and is devoted, who is devoted for to every single player who wears that uniform. Because everybody needs to get better. If you only have a select few guys who get better, you're doing yourself a disservice for the future and your future. So you can you can say all your your list what makes a good coach, but if a coach is not for the players, for every single player, then to me he's not going to be a good coach, because the only thing he cares about is the, is the win and and the trophy and the big check he's going to get when it's all said and done. I want a selfless coach who's going to be there for the players and who genuinely cares for the players and wants to see them grow because the game, because the sport that they play will not last forever. It will not last forever. I want that to be 100% clear. And, and when the day comes that you have to hang everything up, you want to be prepared. You want to make sure you have something in your back pocket to grow. And if a coach promises you that he'll be there and he's not, he is not a good coach. Um, that is my piece. That is my point of view on the matter. Well, um, all, um, all of that said, and uh, all, I think all of those traits are uh, 
exceptionally important, and I think I think uh, no, nothing that you said has uh, has, has been wrong. Uh, those three coaches that you mentioned are really the best of what they do in uh, satisfying each and every one of those uh, those uh, qualities. Uh, the one thing that I would add to that uh, is that these. Um, uh, the great Woody Hayes, uh, the legendary coach at Ohio State, um, once said that um, in order to be an effective head coach, you have to have other good assistant coaches around you. And the one quality that he um, that he emphasized was being a good X's and O's coach, not necessarily being good recruiters, even though you have to be not necessarily being good communicators. Cause we all know you have to be, but you you've all got, walks of life. exactly. But you've also got to be good X's and O's football coaches. That is what ultimately wins games. It's not necessarily just the players. I mean, you could have some of the best players in the country, Playing for your playing for your program, but if you don't have the right X's and O's, if you don't put those players in a position to be successful on the field, none of that, none of any of this is going to matter, because they're going to they're going to be ineffective on the football field on on, on game day. So that's um, you know that's the one thing that I would add to that. Well, we've been taken to church and we've been taken to school, so or I have. You know, that was a very riveting conversation. We're going to take a break. We're going to say goodbye to Casey because he has to work. Sad, sad day. Yeah. But when we come back, we're going to, I'm going to, and you just brought something to my mind that we're going to tackle on the other side of the break. I believe that better days are ahead in Knoxville, Tennessee, for the reasons that you just mentioned about X's and O's and their football coach. We were going to take a break. I'm going to go pay some bills, eat some eggs, I mean egos, and have a little fun. This is the E-Cast. And we are back. The E-Cast is back, and it's back to just the two of us. And what we're going to do, we're going to have a little fun. And I promise you, you're going to laugh now. Right, but before we laugh, uh, would you mind uh, uh, if we, you know, do a little bit, of, do a few updates on some stories that have been uh, breaking throughout the day? Updates. Yeah, um, we're ESPN now. <laughs> hardly. Um, hey, it's going to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, har- um, Alabama linebacker uh, Iabi Anoma. Uh, has uh, gone. Has taken himself out of the uh, NCAA transfer pr- portal that everybody's been talking about lately. It is uh, an actual portal. It is. It is terrifying. Yeah, and um, well, he's taken him out of it's Ravens portal. Right. Um, he um, <laughs> he has taken him, himself out of that portal and has decided to stay at Alabama. I think that was. Uh, and this was something that uh, the uh, coach Nick Saban addressed on in an uh, in an interview on uh, ESPN 2's uh, um, National Signing Day special. Uh, he was referring to a player who was in the uh, in the transfer pro- uh, portal, 
and uh, had suddenly taken himself out. Uh, you and I were actually watching that, and uh, we didn't really know exactly who it he was flew over about. my head. We, yeah, we didn't know who he was talking about uh, until we saw the headlines. Uh, so, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. Iabi Anoma, uh, a linebacker from Alabama, staying with the Crimson Tide. Uh, Jerron Ely, uh, second one. Uh, this is this is another uh, headline for today. Jerron Ely, uh, he's number nineteen. Uh, for those of you who follow e- uh, ESPN's uh, recruiting rankings. Um, he is the number 19 recruit in the country uh, from Jackson, Mississippi, uh, committed to stay home to play for Ole Miss. Um, uh, projected to, uh, but he's also projected to be a first round selection in the upcoming Major League Baseball draft in June. So, really? Yeah, so he is a multiple sport athlete. So that's one to watch there. Uh, Kyler Murray, of course, not the only one uh, who has been drawing attention for his. Um, for his involvement in multiple sports. Quick, uh, so. quick aside. Did you see the video of Pat Mahomes? I mean, schooling people on the basketball court. I had not seen that. That is actually really funny. He put on, he, he put dude in the blender and hit the, hit a spin move and kissed it off the glass. It was amazing. People forget how much of an athlete Patrick Mahomes is. And let me, and let me give you a, uh, he was a three sport athlete coming out of high school. He was an all state basketball player as well as a a talented baseball player. But it was clear that his future was in football. So him doing people in on the basketball court did not surprise me. Just a little little aside there. Right. Uh, but uh, just to just to repeat, uh, Jerron Ely, uh, number 19 overall uh, in the country, according to ESPN's uh, recruiting rankings, for those of you who follow that, um, committed to the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, he uh, is from Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, is a two-sport athlete. Uh, will, uh, has, is expected to be a first-round selection in the Major League Baseball draft. So that's come. So that's something to keep an eye on there. Um, but if he decides not to go the baseball route, he will be enrolling at Ole Miss uh, next fall. Um, another uh, National Signing Day development uh, that was that you probably saw this morning. Uh, wide receiver George Pickens, who had been committed to Auburn for the better part of a year, has uh, fl- uh, flipped his commitment today from the Tigers to the rival Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, he is the number 54 ranked pro- uh, prospect overall in the ESPN uh, 300. Um, uh, he is from Hoover High School down in Hoover, Alabama. Hoover, and- Alabama. Yeah, six. Yeah, six four, one hundred and ninety pounds. Um, he also, uh, in the last few weeks, he visited Georgia, Miami, Tennessee, and Auburn before he finally uh, made his decision to join the Bulldogs. Now, this is um, this is something that I think Georgia fans might not uh, might keep might keep Georgia fans on edge. Um, I've heard rumblings that uh, he might not academically qualify. So, I. I don't know the details of that. That's just what I've heard through the grapevine. Uh, but it's just something for Georgia fans to keep to keep an eye on uh, until uh, until uh, at, at least you know either spring practice or fall practice starts for 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 them down there in Athens. And uh, uh, next, uh, Chris Bogle, uh, the um, uh, 
well, let me back up for a second. Um, Alabama, of course, you know, we all know has the number one ranked recruiting class, but according to multiple services. And and it looks like they're going to finish with the number one class, regardless of how the rest of this day shakes out. Yes. Um, but, Again, yeah, but, Alabama, number one. Right. Now, though, that's the positive for the Crimson Tide. And uh, but it doesn't come without a few negatives. And um, Chris Bogle, uh, the uh, talented defensive end um, who um, who is from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, um, who committed to Alabama uh, uh, during the uh, Army All-American game last month, uh, flipped his commitment from the Crimson Tide to the Florida Gators. So he will be playing in Gainesville. Chomp, chomp. Next year. Dan Mullen doing some chomping on the trail. Yeah, Dan Mullen's doing a great job uh, down there in Gainesville. Um, also, another loss for the Tide, uh, Christian Williams, uh, another ESPNU 300 uh, defensive back who was committed to the Crimson Tide, decided to also go to the Sunshine State. Uh, he will be playing at the University of Miami next year. He flipped his commitment from the uh, uh, from the Crimson Tide to the Hurricanes. Uh, he, he's a six foot, hundred and eighty two pounds safety from uh, from Daphne, Alabama. So this um, any way you slice it uh, for the for the Crimson Tide to lose an in-state kid to uh, to uh, in, any other school out, you know, outside of Alabama. That's that's a big loss. It happened last year. And that kid was Justin Ross and he burned them in the national championship game. Right. So, yes. Did uh, you see the punter that committed to? Uh, Miami. Yes, I did. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, he is an Australian punter, and I've completely forgotten his name. Yeah, uh, well, but all I know is that if you f- find a picture of this dude, <laughs> oh man, he looks older than me. Right. Um, he um, is. He is. Yeah. Again, he is from Australia. That's what I've heard. Uh, he is. Um, he has tattoos. Hashtag tatted up. Uh, he, like all the way up. Yeah, he is. Uh, he has tattoos uh, from his neck all the way to his wrists. Uh, all you know, all, just all over his, like the upper half of his body, with the exception of his head. So um, he's he's really tatted, uh, and he uh, announced his commitment of, uh, what, with a picture of himself throwing up the U. The classic you uh, and um, you know wearing um, Dwayne Johnson the Rock's old uh, number ninety four. He'll fit the, right in from Miami from the Hurricanes. So um, <laughs> I, you know, he'll fit right in Miami. You know, if we're lucky enough to have you know Dwayne Johnson listening to this podcast at some point, I'm sure you know he'd he'd be pretty delighted about that. That would be really cool if the Rock was listening to our podcast. <laughs> I, I I would probably I would lose it. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I do the eyebrow thing sometimes, and 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 doing that would be really really cool, no, especially if I'm, no one can do the people's eyebrow like the Rock. No, no, no one. No, you, no, you're. It's you're not. He's looking at me hey, right now with hey. the, with the eyebrow. It's not working. Uh, there's only one man who can do, do who can do the, the eyebrow like he him, and that's the Rock. This is just a hater. He is a hater. Um, and there's one there's one more um, development from earlier today. Um, Ohio State. Uh, lost an offensive guard commitment for um, an, a 6'7", 320-pound offensive lineman from Huntington, West Virginia, uh, named uh, Doug Nestor. Same uh, same hometown as Darnell Wright. Yeah, yes. Uh, he's also from Huntington, like uh, Darnell Wright. 
who is also a highly ranked uh, offensive lineman recruit. But anyway, uh, Nestor had been committed to Ohio State since uh, for for two years. Um, he I believe he committed as a sophomore uh, to the Buckeyes, but has decided to flip his commitment from uh, from the Buckeyes to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, he is, the, uh, according to ESPN, he is the uh, 72nd ranked prospect in the 2019 class, and he is rated number two uh, overall from the state of West Virginia, behind, of course, Darnell Wright. So um, he also took visits to Penn State and Virginia Tech uh, in uh, uh, for the past uh, past couple of months, but uh, ultimately has decided to sign with the Hokies. So. That um, big game for Justin Fuente. Right. All right. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and close the show. I have one more update that hits close to home because I'm in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And then we're going to get into a little ball talk. We're going to finish out with Jeremy Pruitt and how I think Tennessee is on the rise. Better days are ahead for all you fans on Rocky Top. This is the E-Cast. We are back, and for some reason, I just heard somebody a whistling Childish Gambino song. It's probably Casey. Anyway, we're back, and we're gonna. I'm gonna give you a little update. This is from right in our backyard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where one of the top athletes in the country made his decision. Blackman Hyde's Adonis Ote signed with USC. The Trojans. The Trojans. Now, if you follow my page at Eki Sports, I cover high school football in the Rutherford County area in Murfreesboro. And I got a front row seat for Adonis Ote's senior year. You want to talk about a, a, a long, versatile athlete who can play multiple positions. He could play offense or defense for you. And he was dynamic on both sides of the ball. Surprised everybody because he committed, along with Trey Knox, his teammate, to Arkansas. So the flip to USC was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it's a, it's a very bit of a surprise. And if you've ever, you know, been out here to Murfreesboro, uh, you know, th- compare this place to Los Angeles. I mean, if you – what. You know, com- com- compare Murfreesboro to Los Angeles. I mean, it's 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 like a huge, co- you know, clash of cultures. You know, uh, everything is much more low key down here, whereas you know, Los Angeles is, of course, Los Angeles. So, um, I mean, I'm happy for the kid. I mean, I've had uh, the opportunity to watch him play a couple of times. Um, he's a very good athlete, very uh, uh, very talented, and uh, uh, he's what six. Two six three about six two six two yeah I'd say about one hundred and eighty yeah ish yeah and he and he's got room to grow so uh, you know he and going out there you know playing in the Pac twelve I think it's going to be uh, um, I think it's going to be a gift for for uh, for the Trojans out there um, Lewis Headley is the name of the punter that we were talking about earlier that's uh, the Australian punter who committed to Miami. So uh, he went through one of those uh, Australian uh, uh, punter academies that they they've, that we've, they once talked about. Um, they either go they it's a it's an academy that's pretty much set up for uh, punters from Australia to go in and train on how to you know be an effective punter 
uh, in American football. So uh, I think that uh, I, I think that's just another he's another guy that benefited from it. All right. So a little backstory on us since we grew up in the Tennessee area and we grew up before the um, Tennessee Titans, we watched a lot of Tennessee football. So naturally we grew up fans of the big orange. And while we can remember the days of Phil Fulmer winning national championship as a head coach, it's no secret that the program has fallen on hard times over the last decade. I believe that Jeremy Pruitt, the new head coach for the university of Tennessee has exactly the right makeup needed and necessary to bring Tennessee back to relevance. And as they close on National Signing Day, hopefully they land a commitment from the one of the top remaining offensive linemen in the country in Darnell Wright. Hopefully they close strong. I think Jeremy Pruitt has exactly the right makeup needed to help bring Tennessee back to the top of the college football map. Yeah, I, I believe so, too. I think that uh, Jeremy Pruitt has done a lot of good things in his first uh, – I think that now it's 14 months, I think. His first 14 14-ish months after a after a coaching search that, to be frank, the Maury show couldn't write a crazier script than that. Well, um, yeah, it was um, it was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. At one point, I chanted, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Because it was a circus. Yeah, but um, but uh, I think I think that they have the right man for the job. I think that uh, you know, bringing Philip Fulmer in as uh, athletic director, I think was uh, was a good move. The jury is out on whether it was the right move, but I think it was a good move to, to help uh, bring some stability and some sanity back to the program. Um, I equated it to ha- to you falling asleep in the back seat of a car on a Sunday drive across the state. Knowing you're in good hands because your your great uncle, who's a good driver, is in control. Well, I wouldn't have put it that way, but um, but that's how I put it. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of trust there. I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of accountability. I think that there's someone who who has been there, who knows not only the program, um, but he knows the school and knows exactly what needs what needs to happen there. Uh, and he went out and got a coach who is um, I've I've always seen as no you know very no nonsense coach, uh, the kind of coach that will keep these guys in line and you know keep them focused and and uh, you know keep them playing playing hard. And if he sees them that doing something that on the field or off the field that they're not supposed to be doing, he's going to get after them. Which I think that and it goes back to the accountability factor, and that's exactly what this program needs. A lot and, of accountability. And I think it was also a breath of fresh air that they really uh, took uh, Jimmy Haslam, the uh, Browns manager who and Tennessee, I think he's a Tennessee alum or Tennessee donor, the, the brother of our, our former governor. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, took him out of the decision making because, uh, you know, some of the last few coaches who, uh, uh, who, who have been selected by the school, um, not, I, I don't, I don't want to knock them or anything like that. Cause that's not what I'm about. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't, um, don't think that they were ultimately the right fit. I mean, it, I mean, the one person that I could think of who at least, you know, did this, who did a decent job, at least for the first few years with Butch Jones. I, I think that, uh, and I know a lot of Tennessee fans don't want to hear me say that, but 
he actually did accomplish quite a bit in his first few years, and then he just dropped off, and that ultimately cost him his job. So uh, got, that goes back to player development. I've consistently said that that was Butch Jones's failure as yeah, head coach. He could get the players, he could get the guys, but he couldn't develop them. And some of the guy, and, and, and as he got to the end, some of the guys that he got didn't really lit, pan out or live up to the expectation that their rankings didn't didn't live up to the hype. So that's why I don't um, I don't take too much stock in these. Um, in these recruiting rankings, I just, you know, personally, I just look at it as who, who is there now, who, who can play, who best fits the system. And if they can best fit the system, develop them. Uh, I don't look at recruiting rankings or anything like that, but that's, you know, I mean, for the sake of national signing day, that's what we're doing today. Uh, right now, Tennessee is sitting at uh, 20 commitments. Um, according to 24 seven, they're ranked 16th. And according to rivals, uh, let me pull it up for just a moment. Hang on. He's uh, pulling up the rivals right now. Hang on. Hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up. Um, right now, ten, Tennessee, according to rivals, is 18. So 24 7, 16, uh, uh, rivals has them at 18. Um, the two players on uh, uh, in, in this recruiting class that I feel are going to make. Um, make some kind of splash are, um, well, obviously Wanya Morris, the, uh, the five-star, uh, defensive, uh, offensive, off- tackle. I'm sorry, offensive tackle. Um, uh, th- this is at a position of need because, Oh, it's a dire need for Tennessee. Yeah. Because, uh, last year, Tennessee's offensive line was atrocious. Uh, there's no other way to slice it. It was, it was, it was awful. It was atrocious. Um, so they needed bodies there. They need some talent up there. Um, I think that they've got, it looks like they've got one, two, three, four offensive linemen in this class. And they're, they're, and they're more than trying likely. to add an, another elite body to the offensive line. It should everything fall Tennessee's way. Yeah. So it looks like uh, at the most, we're, uh, t- Tennessee has a chance to be a top 15 class um, in Jeremy Pruitt's second year. Which is which is great, and we all know how good of a recruiter Jeremy Pruitt is. And, he's and he is as good. He's as good as there is. Yeah. Now, personally, um, I would, I would, I would like them to be better. Um, but right now, and, and that's just my personal. You have belief. to crawl before you can walk. That's yeah. I mean, and that and that's where that's where it is. And I know that t- some Tennessee fans might not like to hear hear that because they you know they want to win and, and they want to win now. But it's a it's a proud program that has been starving for success for a long time. Yeah. I can understand that feeling, but, but it, in but this it, in this case, you're building something from the ground up, right? And you have to be patient. Yeah, it takes time, and it takes a lot of patience, and it's it's not something where you can just wave a magic wand and say, "There, there, it's fixed." No, it, it takes time. It's a process, and uh, I I feel like uh, they. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt, Phil Fulmer, everyone associated with that program—they have a plan, and I think that they're going to uh, um, that that it's 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 going to come to fruition in due time. Well, this has been fun. This has been fun. It has. I think we should do it again. Yeah, we should. And I think we should devote a we should devote an hour or so to this because we could go on and on about where Tennessee's been, where they are now, where I think they can go. That's something that we can do, but. We won't do it this week. Friday, 
and I'll have a show again on Friday. We're gonna be it's gonna be a complete recap of Super Bowl 53, everything that was, and everything that could have been for the Los Angeles Rams. So in the meantime, I thank you all for joining me on this journey of self-discovery, personal growth, and college football. This has been the eCast. Follow me at Eki Sports on Twitter and at Eki Sports on Facebook, where we will continue to post these podcasts. And this information, you can also text me if you want. If you want it really that badly, you can do that. This is the eCast, and I will see you all on Friday.